Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. It feels like the reality of starting to build has made the teardown reality. So the teardown has already happened, but it's like as as I begin to walk out how we're going to build, it's like, well, I didn't know that we were actually tearing that down. You had talked about tearing it down, but now that we're building, it's kind of like, oh, there's actually something. Now there's, we're actually looking at the ruins and through the ruins, we get to build. Does that make sense? Does that feel like that to you guys? Like the teardown is not new, but because we're actually talking about building, it makes us realize, oh, there was nothing there or there shouldn't have been anything there. Oops. That's what it has felt like. What I feel in the spirit is going to happen tonight is that we are going to grow a hunger and a love for what we're building. I feel like there's a sweetness, a grace that's coming with tonight. So because I'm feeling that in the spirit, I really wanted to tap into um, kind of doing a big overview of the feasts in general. Not of each individual feast, but just the feasts in general and the why. Is that okay? Because I've tapped into the feast, but it's in the midst of a feast. So there's been a lot of teaching. It's been, here's why we should, and then here's the feast that we're going to do, right? So then there's kind of a lot that goes along with that. Whereas tonight, we don't necessarily have a feast to talk about. So I just want to do an overview of why we honor the feast one more time. Really hone in on a couple of scriptures to just really nail in what have you been talking about. So in case you've been distracted, like you said some pretty crazy things and now I don't know what we're doing. We're going to kind of just over uh, do an overview and a recap of why we honor the feast in general. And then we're going to shift into something really, really exciting that I believe is actually going to be the carrier for us. That's going to give us the grace and the love for why we honor feasts. And we'll get into that. Okay. You guys all right? All right. I think I just did it. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, did you guys taste something sweet? Did that make sense what Kendra was saying? That there might be a couple of, couple of religious bones in us when we say that God is good or that, that, that uh, taste and see that he is good. There might be a part of you that's like, amen, but not in that arena. Or that's really good, but no, it's not always sweet. Or those last little jarring, why would we need to learn beyond knowledge that it's experientially good? So there still could be parts of that. And so I think that this is a powerful thing that they are wanting to activate that are the sweetness that we taste would be associated with the word. I hate doing this, but I just have to. I know that there is a lot of family that has connected with me about them not being here. But I do want us to understand that it's interesting to me how we have a worship night or a food service family night and it is packed. And then the word comes and it's like, that doesn't taste as good as family night. I only bring that up because I am so passionate about the word. I am more passionate about the word than I am eating anything. So when Kendra's talking about like eating something and being like, hold on. And you guys know I am passionate about food. We just went to a restaurant. And I just got done telling John and Megan, my favorite people to talk about food because they get it. I'll, I, I sat there, I took a bite of my taco and I just went like this, hold on. And Renna goes, here mom, and gives me a napkin. I'm like, no, I was just praying. Because there's just something about that. But the word is even 
scriptures and they're just gonna be like one pal scriptures, but they should be those scriptures that are like, hold on. And you just can begin to savor that. So we're gonna do kind of an overview. So as you guys are eating your donuts, your your fried sweetness, um, I wanna go over again what Torah means. We've talked about all this, all of this is review, but I kind of just wanna break this down, okay? There's about four or five things that Torah itself, the word Torah means. Most of us, I'm sure if you've grown up in the church uh, world, you've heard Torah is for those people over in Israel. Torah is Old Testament. It's the first five books of the Old Testament and those aren't really relevant to us, right? And that's all you know. You also have associated the word Torah with law. You hear Torah, it's the law. But Yeshua came and did away with the law. So we don't need the law anymore. So we've done away with Torah. Okay, what I want to say tonight and remind us that Torah absolutely does mean law. That is one aspect of it, but there are several meanings to Torah. We've broken this down before, but just to remind you, um, it, it, it actually means, this is so powerful, a body of prophetic teachings. Totally change your perspective on Genesis a body of powerful prophetic teachings, not just some history story that's been done away with. Wait a minute, Genesis is a prophetic teaching? Why do we keep saying we're going back to the future? (laughs) Right? The other thing is it's instructions for the messianic age. Are we in the messianic age? Yes, we have been for 2,000 years and we will be till he returns. So the Torah is instructions for the age that we are currently in. And yet we've been saying, eh, I don't really think that the law pertains to me because I live under grace. Okay? So you're missing out on instructions for the age you live in. Okay? It is loving instructions from a father. We've talked about that. Tastes a little bit different when you eat something sweet versus it's just the law. Loving instructions from a father so that I may have direction in my life. Could I be as bold as to say if you're feeling a little confused or you don't have direction with where to go, you may not be honoring the Torah because it is loving instructions from a father to point you in the right direction. So um, this is is just going to get more and more powerful. Okay, two more things. The Torah is the head and the sign of the covenant will be revealed. Where I get that definition is from actually breaking down the Hebrew letters for Torah. You break down the Hebrew letters of, of, of the word Torah, which is actually, um, I'm not going to say it right, but Ro'e, it it means that it, it's, it's the, the, the prophetic picture would be you're driving and there's no like turn right at pinion. It's you're going to need to go uh, down the road about a half a mile. And then when you see this, you're going to go left. It's, it's, the, it, 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 it's saying that it's pointing you into the direction of where you're going to go so that where you end up, you'll end up seeing it. 
That's what Torah actually means in Hebrew. So it's, it's, it's prophetic. It's the head and the sign of the covenant will be revealed. It's pointing that the head and the sign of the covenant is going to be revealed in your life. That's what the Torah means. It's, it's to point you in the right direction for your life so that, you'll, so that you'll then see it. Okay? Again, we've talked about all this overview, but kind of just some bullet points. of This is so much more than just the law when Paul said, he's done away with the law and now you're under grace. If you decide to say, I am not going to follow the Torah and I am going to just operate under grace, you just forewent all of that. I decided to get rid of loving instructions from a father. I decided to not uh, see the prophetic teachings of how to go. I don't want his direction, and I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know where I'm going to end up seeing where I end up going. But, and it's instructions for the messianic age, and the messianic age says we don't need that. Okay? You guys good? All right. So let's go to Hebrews 10. We've read this before. So now remember all of the definitions that I just gave about Torah. Hebrews 10.1. The Torah has a shadow of the good things to come. Not from itself of the... Anyways, we'll just stop there. The Torah has a shadow of the good things to come. The Torah is a shadow of what's to come. That's the... New Testament. The Torah is a shadow of what's to come. So I want to talk about this for a little bit because I want us to understand what does that mean that it's a shadow of what's to come, okay? All of you guys understand shade, right? So you guys understand shadow. Okay, so if there's a tree over me and the sun is pointing on the tree and there's this big shadow and I go underneath the tree and I'm hiding in its shadow, right? So, I'm hiding in its shadow. Two things about shadows that I want us to understand. Number one, when you are hiding in its shadow, it means that what you're in is it's being cast through the light and it points you to the real thing. So the Torah, if it's a shadow of what's to come, it's saying when you step inside the loving instructions of the Father, you are inside that shadow that will always point you to the real thing. Okay? This is what it means to operate in this time because it doesn't mean you are under the law. It means you are inside the loving instructions from a father so that it may point you to the thing that it's casting. Okay? Second thing about shadows. What happens when you're in the shade... And the sun begins to reposition itself. <laughs> the shadow moves, and if I don't move, what happens? Exposed to the sun. So if the Torah is a shadow of the things to come, as the timeline on earth begins to move, eventually what was in the shadow will be revealed. So we are walking in a prophetic way of looking at the Torah, not under the law, but inside the loving instructions for the fa from the Father so that it always points me to the real thing so that eventually what was concealed will be revealed. 
But you will not allow that revelation to come if you're not in the shadow. If you're outside of the shadow, you could be saying this whole time, the light is always here. And forgetting that if you stay inside that shadow, that it's to reveal what's to come. Make sense about shadows? Now read Hebrews 10.1 again. The Torah has a shadow of the good things to come. Amen? It means that it is to point us to what's coming. All right? You guys good so far? I'm setting you up. Because if you amen that this makes sense, when I get into Leviticus, you're going to be like, okay. Okay? But here's the thing. Why? Well, we'll get into this. But why do we pick and choose? Why would we say, but we're not under the law. We're under grace. But I'm going to believe Genesis 1. But Leviticus, uh, Everything Moses gave to them to be able to handle the wilderness. Anybody been in a wilderness season? You don't want that, but you want Joseph's story? Or you want, well, let me just go there. We are going to be talking about the feast. Every single, uh, I shouldn't say every single, but most Christians that I know of celebrate Pentecost. They understand Pentecost. It was an axe. Why are you picking and choosing? So you can do Pentecost, but you don't understand anything else? I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, what? I mean, I, for 15 years, I called myself Pentecostal because I celebrated Pentecost, but I didn't know anything about Passover. I mean, we pick and choose, but the, I've done away with the Torah except for Shavuot. I mean, we called it Pentecost, but you know what I mean? Like we've done away with that except for we are, we are Pentecostals. So then we stand on that, but we've done away with everything. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. You guys okay? All right. Okay, so let's go to Leviticus then. Now that you guys are all excited about the Torah. Just kidding. I think all this is exciting. There's going to be a sweetness that comes tonight. Uh, So I want you guys to go to Leviticus. Deuteronomy. Get it, Zeke? I can tell you right now that the only reason why I know the first five books of the Bible is because of that song. Genesis, (laughs) Exodus, Numbers. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Leviticus 23, we're just going to do one and two, and I'm just going to break down a couple things for you guys, okay? All right, Leviticus 23 is a great resource for all of the feasts, but we're only going to tackle verse one and two. Then Adonai, who's Adonai? Yahweh, the Father, God. That should be something that's normal for us. So I don't know why we would be like, that doesn't pertain to me. It's my God, right? Okay. Then Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to B'nai Israel. And I'll tell you what that means. And tell them. B'nai Israel basically just means sons of Israel. 
When I say that, there is a huge revelation that we have not gotten into, and I want you to get hungry for this, because remember when I said the next pillar was about our heritage? We are going to begin to learn who we are as the sons of Israel. It is not Christian and Jew, but it is the sons of Israel and the common that we have in that. Okay, it's no longer the people in Israel over there and then us Western Christians over here and somehow Yeshua is going to come back for a divided kingdom. That doesn't make any sense. That's not the gospel and we're going to get at that when it comes time to our heritage. So I know that there's a lot when I say this, but I, so I'm going to say it prematurely, but you are a son of Israel. Your heritage is Israel. Your heritage may not, again, I'm going to say this again, not all, um, all Jews and Gentiles are Hebrew. Not all Hebrews are Jews. Okay? So basically, Moses, when he crossed over, is a Hebrew. And there was three things, three things. There was three, there was three things that came out of Moses with his children. It was uh, Greeks, Arabs, and Hebrews. So you're one of the three. Does that make sense? We're going to get into more of that. My point in saying all of that is that this scripture does not say, then Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Jews. That's all I'm getting at. Right? I mean, you read the scripture. It does not say that Adonai spoke to Moses and Moses was supposed to just tell the Jews to follow this. It was to the sons of Israel. So now you have to know who he's talking to. Who are the sons of Israel? Well, it is you. Because we are all Hebrew. We are not all Jews, but we are all Hebrew. Just like we are not all from the tribe of Benjamin, we are not all from the tribe. We, there's, but, but they all converge as a Hebrew. Make sense? Okay. All right. And tell them, these are the appointed Moedim of Adonai. <laughs> Such a beautiful language. This is the Moedim of Adonai. Moedim, the word Moedim is feasts. The reason why this translation says Moedim is because there's a whole lot more than just feast. Moedim means an appointment set aside to meet with him. How powerful is that? Not just, um, these, are, these are the appointed feasts. And you need to observe these feasts. That would be like being under the law. This is honoring that there are set aside appointed times that there is an appointment set aside for you to see him, to meet him, to be with him. Moedim. It's a whole lot more than feasts. Amen? Which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations. Some of us might be like, what is a holy convocation? You are to proclaim that these moedim, these set up appointments that you show up to, to, to meet with him, that you are going to declare that that appointment is a holy convocation. Well, what is that? A holy convocation, convocation is actually the word migra, which means a gathering of people that would rehearse for a purpose. So you have an appointment with him during these times. That appointment is going to come out of your mouth. That was a gathering of his people where we rehearsed what was to come. That's what that means. Then it says, 
my Moedim. Remember, Adonai is talking. Whose times? Whose times? I'm sorry, I'm trying to find out why we as Christians decided to pick and choose what was his and what wasn't. We said that's the Jews, he said my times. It doesn't say Jews' times, it says my times. And I honor a Yahweh. He is my God, right? He is my personal God. He is Adonai. And he says, that is my time that I want you to rehearse, that I want you to show up. I have an appointment that is set aside for you to be able to rehearse that you are going to gather with my people and you are going to say, you are going to rehearse what is to come. His time. How come we've read that and said, nah, biblical feast, let's just move on to Leviticus 20. Let's just go on to Deuteronomy. Let's just forget Leviticus. There's a bunch of laws, rules, and regulations, and we're not realizing the beautiful instructions from the Father. It's not about a bunch of rules, and it's not about a bunch of regulations, especially when it points to the real thing, which is always the Messiah. We are not learning about the feast so we can become Jews. You want to know why we're learning about the feast? So we can be a light to the Jews. Because until they understand the real thing, he's not coming back. But guess what? They're not going to figure it out. Until the Beni Israel. <laughs> we're we're going to get into all of that. But there, there is so much in this. But what has happened is we have separated ourselves, said we're the Western culture. We're Christians. It's Jesus. They're Jews. And I guess we're just divided. And one day Yeshua will come back and they're all going to figure it out when we're just going to all bow to, on one knee. Not understanding that he says, I have an appointment. I have times. And it's actually in your rehearsal that calls me forth. And we say, well, I guess I'll just stick my head in the sand and uh, maybe one day he'll come back and everybody will figure it out. Nope. When you figure it out, he'll come back. That's some powerful stuff. It should be a heavy weight that is so light it makes you want to jump for joy. Because now you have his power. You're not just... I guess I'll learn about grace and faith. There's some, there's some appointments you have to show up to. There's some things you got to carry. There's some things you got to get. That should, that some people that might sound like, but it's like, but in him. Amen? Okay. You guys still good? All right. All right. So that scripture is for all the sons of Israel, which are us. And basically what he's saying is, is you have an appointment and it's going to be a holy convocation, which means we are going to gather and we are going to rehearse until what has been hidden or concealed is revealed. Now, you guys remember this when I talked about the, uh, the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot. There was a time where there wasn't Pentecost. There was a time where the Holy Spirit had not come, but there was always a Feast of Weeks. And so they were rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing until they got it. They listened to the instructions of a father and he said, you get in that room and you wait. And eventually there was a year on the Feast of Weeks where Holy Spirit came and sealed 
because it was they were in the shadow. They were honoring what he said to honor. They were honoring that. It wasn't, well, I'm a New Testament Christian, Christian and so I'm going to do whatever I want. They were honoring what Yeshua said to do, and in their honoring of doing it, Holy Spirit showed up. Okay, so we're going to get into that. Same thing that happens with Passover. They were honoring, same with Yeshua, who honored the Seder meal. The Last Supper is not the Last Supper. It is the Seder meal. It's Passover. All the pictures that you've seen with them at a square table, and that is not what was going on. It was very Hebrew. It was 10 hours. They were drinking wine. They were uh, hanging out. They were... sleeping on each other's bellies. They were leaning on each other's hearts. Hebrews are affectionate and loving and they kiss and they hug and they just, okay. So they were honoring that. And then that year that they honored that, like they had been, it actually happened, right? Same thing with unleavened bread, same thing with first fruit, same thing with uh, Shavuot. So we're gonna get into some stuff. We're good? Okay. So the feasts are for us. Sons of Israel, because they're Yahweh's feasts, okay? Not, again, remember Torah is not the only word for law. I'm not saying we're going back under the law. I'm saying you are actually honoring the law. <laughs> you now come, uh, I, is that making sense by the Spirit? You're not under the law, but you are going to honor on the floor of the law for what's to come. Okay, so let's not get this twisted that it's about, to, about a bunch of rules and regulations, but it's about honoring what he said to honor so that we can have power so that he'll fulfill his scroll. This should get us excited about reading the word. You have, inside of you, have the ability to make sure that Yeshua's destiny scroll happens. We have a hard time leaning on one another. You and who you are is going to be dependent on me walking out my scroll. And me walking out my scroll is going to be dependent on her flourishing and who she is. We have a hard time with that. What if I start saying, (laughs) Yeshua is inside of her. He has a destiny scroll. It's not finished. Right? I'm assuming we all believe that. It's not finished. So if it's not finished, what is inside of me is part of what his destiny scroll is going to be. Okay? We all right with that language. Okay. What I mean by destiny scrolls, if you're like, what are you talking about? Before the foundation of earth, we understand this, right? Before the foundations of earth, he was slain. What does that mean? It means that had already happened. It just hadn't happened on earth yet. That means that in heaven, all things have happened. Heaven, all things have happened. But it has not been revealed on earth. This is why we need to be a reflection of what heaven is because it pulls it down to earth. This is what he was talking about when he said, my kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just like your daily stuff. This is heaven's scroll, heaven's story. Alpha, omega, beginning, end, ruling, reigning, no Satan, before Satan, all of that. On earth as it is in heaven, 
means that his destiny scroll has not been revealed, but it has been finished. That's why he can say it is finished. That didn't mean his story was done. It just means it is finished. And he's, he, he was operating in another realm when he said that. If you really look at the scriptures, he's not sitting on the cross like, it is finished. He was tapping into it is finished. The only way you can endure hanging on that cross for people who are literally spitting on you while you are hanging on that thing by nails, the only way you could do that is by seeing what is in heaven and being able to say it is finished. But we have not seen the fullness of what it is finished unless we understand what we're about to tap into because what we're about to tap into is, is it is finished. Because we stop as Christians, it is finished at the cross. I would love to see so many people be go beyond salvation and go beyond the cross. I want to see some sons turn into fathers who know their authority, that take dominion, that begin to rule and reign and begin to create things on this earth so the earth actually looks like it is finished. Instead of, oh, it is finished in heaven one day and earth just, Bleh. the earth is the object of his affection. Why? There are so many creatures. Kendra kind of wrecked us when she said that Aleph wants to engage with you. If that weirds you out, just wait till we get to the engagement floor. There are so many creatures that he has created. You have governors and tutors in Galatians that literally are appointed to you to help you through this life. You have more than Yeshua. You have angels. You have letters. You have Hebrew. You have language. You have Moses. You have the cloud of witnesses. You have the, the men in white linen. You have, you have Deborah. You have Esther. You have... Okay? So, why was I getting into all that? There's a lot of creatures. Oh, because you are the only creature that is made in his image. And the only creature that he says you are son. That's why you have the highest authority. It's not up to the angels to make this happen. They're waiting on you. They're there to help you. You're there to guide them to tell them what to do, but they're like, I'm dwindling over here until you start talking to me, right? You can have an angel that has been absolutely assigned to you, and somebody who can see in the spirit, like Sean, can see an angel and say, that has no, there's no meat on that thing. The color's changing, it's beginning to dwindle, it's beginning to frail the and 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 somebody else who's activated that that's calling on those legions it's totally different i'm wanting to encourage you that this stuff is fun okay so my point is is that there's lots of creatures but you're the only one that was made in his image you're the only one that has the ability to be a son okay so all right so talking about being a reflection I'm going to just show you some things. We've already gone over this, but I want to just nail it in. Okay? Heaven. Right? Earth. Has Passover happened in heaven? Okay. Just kind of bear with me. This is, I, I just did it. The Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, feast of weeks, uh, Yom Teruah, which is the feast of trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. We good? 
These are the appointed feasts. You'll read about it in Leviticus, okay? Passover in heaven, arcs with tabernacles. Okay? I'm going to try to explain this because I don't have a whole lot of time to get into it. But basically, he came and died so that he'll return and rule and reign. Okay? The first and the last. The last and the first. Okay? Okay. Unleavened bread. Where's H? Oh, heaven. Heaven, earth. No, you're okay. Unleavened bread, has it happened in heaven? Okay? It arcs with atonement. What happened with unleavened bread? He, he got the keys. He separated sin and death because at atonement, he's going to separate the nations. That should lend to give you chills. It's like when I eat something, I'm like, ooh, that was good. <laughs> okay? Judgment took place on sin and death. And judgment's going to take place on nations. Happened in heaven. It's already happened. Okay? Okay. First fruits, has it happened in heaven? Okay? You guys know first fruits? He rose so that he could be the first fruits of all those that come. Okay? Which, that was in Yeshua's time. But they had been, uh, thanks baby, they had been uh, honoring first fruits because of the harvest and all that kind of, all that for for. Right? Okay. We have not got, just so you guys know, if you're feeling a little lost, we have not gone over these yet because we decided that, uh, you know how usually with the pillars, we uh, do each pillar and then we move on? What, I, what we've decided is that with the, with, with the pillar of feasts, we're going to talk, excuse me, about the feasts as they come. So when Passover comes, we're really going to get into Passover, which is pretty much right away unleavened bread, first fruits. When Feast of Weeks come, we're really going to hone in on Feast of Weeks, which is why we really honed in on Yom Teruah, Atonement, and Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. So we've really talked about this. We haven't really talked about this. So if you're like, what is she talking about? That, you know, that could be, that could be part of it, okay? All right. So, first fruits. He rose as a first fruit. Happened in heaven, yes? Has Yom Teruah happened in heaven, which is Tabernacles, the blowing of the shofar? So first fruits, he rises. Yom Teruah, he comes back as a warning. You see that? The last trumpet. This is when he became immortal. He was mortal and became immortal. This is when we're going to become immortal. Okay? You have to become immortal so that you can be judged, so that you can rule and reign and sukkut with him. Okay? We all right? Happened in heaven, yes? Okay. Has Passover happened on earth? Has tabernacles happened on earth? Has unleavened bread happened on earth? Has atonement happened? Has first fruits happened on earth? Has this happened yet? This is where we are right now. Well, I'm not done. I don't know why I did that. That that was for added drama. I don't know why I don't know why that happened. <laughs> this th that is ugly. 
This is where we are. And we've picked and choosed. I'll celebrate that one. And I'll celebrate Easter. And why don't we throw in uh, Halloween and Christmas? Because that's scriptural. This is where we are. This is why Leviticus 23 is so important because he says, my times, my appointments for my sons of Israel will rehearse until what has been concealed will be revealed. And if he revealed four, why would he not reveal the last three? Could you have... This should make Yeshua exciting. So this whole, I want the same restaurant, the same shot in the arm, and that might have tasted good, I don't even know what I ate, and that was boring, is not the gospel. Because this is powerful that we get to be a part of his scroll. We are supposed to arc and be a reflection of what's already happened in heaven. We don't even know what's happened in heaven. So we don't even know how to pull in the fall feast or walk in prophecy because we're not operating under the Torah that says I'm going to give you prophetic teachings of what's to come. Amen? That's all I had for this. But I really want to make sure that it, it's honed in in this family that this is why we are going to tap into the feast. This is why. That we, we can't ignore this. This isn't a pick and choose type family. I liked all your sermons. I liked all that. But the feast thing, not happening. I feel for me, what I have come awakened to is if you ignore this, you have missed the gospel. Why would you want to learn about your identity and being a reflection of him? For what? So you can feel good about yourself? Seriously, we have nine step courses about how to have a great identity and have confidence because we're a reflection of Yeshua. For what? So that you can do something with it. But we stop here. Well, that felt good. He died. I'm not quite sure if he took my sin. I definitely don't know if he's a first fruit because I don't really want to be a fruit. And I'm definitely not going to allow Ruach to govern all of it. This is in the center. <laughs> oh, my word. This is the center where Ruach comes and governs all of this. Without Ruach, you can't even begin to try to govern all this. Don't try to govern anything without Ruach. I, you might be pulling down something from the second heaven. It ain't from the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I don't know what you'd be pulling down if you don't have Ruach. Okay? Amen? So this is why we are going to honor the feasts. This is why we talked about Yom Ter Ter Teruah, it, which is uh, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, Sukkot. How many of you guys are excited to start building traditions with your family on Sukkot? For a week, where we can go camping and we can begin to discuss the, discuss the things of Yahweh. It's exciting. And why is it exciting? All holidays are exciting, but it's exciting that it can be a holiday and we get to honor the times. And we get to say, when we do this, we are rehearsing for what is to come, to rule and reign where we live with one another forever. Right? It's not just, well, I guess we should start another tradition we were preached at, so we should build a sukkut. 
No. When you know who you are, you begin to rehearse because one year, what could I get as bold as to say, which I have said this, that, you know, the, the day and the hour, nobody knows. We do actually know. We just don't know which year. So that means at some point, do, we, do, do you guys understand that this holiday, that there's a date for that? That means when you rehearse this, there's coming a year that it's actually going to happen and it's not going to be just a shofar, but it's actually going to be the ram's horn and it's going to be his horn. Is your lamp ready? Whole different meaning than read the five virgins. Make sure you're ready. Totally different meaning. Right? Because one day, one day and what if it's during your lifetime? That means what if it's three years from now? We're actually going to see this because you chose to rehearse it. But guess what? Those that didn't rehearse it, oops. I am concerned for the Western culture church that has absolutely missed the gospel, made it a business and a hierarchy, and is not even teaching truth. And so then they're not even rehearsing, and yet they're talking about end times. Fly, fly away. And they're not even understanding what's at stake. We're not rehearsing is my point, but we're saying he's coming, but yet you're not rehearsing his coming. You can't, you can't say I don't want the law, but then want the law to be fulfilled. You can't say I've done away with that, but then I want it to be fulfilled. Right? Okay. We're good? So the feasts. So the next feast that we're going to be diving into is going to be Passock. Okay, so we got some time to let this settle. All right, Passock is next. Pretty much, these are the spring feasts. They're really close. Seven weeks later, 49 days, 50 days, we have this, which is the summer right in the middle. And then you have the fall feast, which we just got done celebrating. I want us to really tap into this because we've got some assignments. You've got an appointment. Somebody tell me when Passock is. March, April, what's the actual date for 2021? Isn't this interesting? March what? Isn't this interesting? If I said what day is Christmas, you'd all know, including myself. Okay? That's awesome. March 27th, you have an appointment. Beni Israel, the sons of Israel, you have an appointment. And there's a rehearsal where you are going to call it a holy convocation. And it's his times. Amen? And this is practice because it's already happened that we get to rehearse. Why? Because eventually we're going to get to this date, which is September or October, and we're really going to be rehearsing some prophecy. Amen? Okay. That's the feast. Good overview? Okay. We feel good? Any, we've got some time. Any questions about feasts or anything I just said?
don't go home and ask them under your breath or vox me. That's your one chance until Passock. Just kidding. Are we okay? Yes. Yep. Say the first part again. Mm. Easter. Resurrection Sunday would be Passock. Passover. Passock is the way to say Passover. Um, and, and really, uh, resurrection, if you think about it, Resurrection Sunday is actually first fruits. We kind of miss the whole Passover. Uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful, obviously a beautiful story about the firstborn sons, all the plagues that delivered us out of our, our prison is the blood on our doorposts. Right? It's a beautiful story. And then eventually one time on Passock, there was the blood-stained lamb that, that is my blood over my doorpost. And so, so there's an aspect where we kind of miss the whole Passover part, but we really understand first fruits, which is Resurrection Sunday, essentially. Kind of. We have the days wrong, guys. He didn't rise on Sunday. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a feeling that the dates that she's talking about is probably all of that because it's pretty much Passock, unleavened bread. It's all within three days. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And, and Shabbat is part of it. If you listen to the, the uh, if you listen, if you read about the feast, there's a lot about rest, lots about rest. You are not able to honor these feasts if you are not in rest. So there's something about Shabbat, Shalom. I think it is powerful that Yahweh, before this revelation said, why don't you be crazy and meet on Friday night? (coughs) Boom. Then I get a revelation. Oh my gosh, that's when Shabbat is. At sundown now is the day of rest when you are not supposed to be working. You're not supposed to be doing anything else but enjoying him. Amen? All right. So yeah. What? We all right? Okay. Any other questions? No? Zeke's like, um, I had this a long time ago. Okay. I don't know why I keep closing this. Okay. So we're good to move on? Yeah? John? Okay. All right. So we are not talking about any more feasts. Okay? Until Passock. And I'm saying that boldly because I'm about to talk about a holiday. And I'm going to explain the difference. All right. First things first. This is not a feast. It is not a required feast. It's not even mentioned in the Torah. Why? Because it hadn't happened yet. But it is spoken about in the New Testament. And Yeshua celebrated it so I just think it's kind of important okay so it is not a feast it is not an appointed time and it is not required but it is something that Yeshua did and walked in and I believe that this story for our personal family is important and so we're going to tap into it the reason why we're teaching it tonight is because this happens on December 10th through the 18th this year so can you guys write that in your calendar because I'm really excited about what is going to happen during this time. It is always, here's an easy way to remember it. You guys remember Christmas, December 25th? 
The first day of this holiday is always the 25th of Kislev. We are about to go into the month of Kislev and it's on the 25th day. So that's how you'll always know when this happens. But for this year, for our calendar, it starts on December 10th. Does that make sense? That means next year it won't be on December 10th. It always follows the Hebrew calendar. 25th of Kislev is when it starts and it lasts eight days. Okay? We're good? Okay. So we're going to learn how to say this word first. I got to take my gum out for this. Okay, because everybody says Hanukkah, right? This is how it's actually spelled, and the C-H is Chet. Okay, so say it with me. Chet on u ka Hanukkah, 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 Hanukkah. Not Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Got it? Hanukkah. That was good, Stephanie. I'm still learning my Hanukkah. Go ahead. Uh huh. Uh huh. She would get that. Well, I hope she would. Yes. Y- yes. That would her choir teacher understand when she says, can we have Hanukkah songs? Would she understand it? Yes. And if they were like, what? You would just say, that's how you say Hanukkah. Okay. This word Hanukkah is just a Hebrew word for the word. Dedication. This is why I feel like this holiday Holy Day is a powerful holiday, even though it's not necessarily something that we're required to celebrate, but it's powerful. Good? So this word actually means dedication. Another uh, way of saying, another, um, another word for this holiday is Feast of Lights. Feast of dedication, feast of lights. Don't get it confusing because they say feast, that it's a feast. It's a holiday, but they call it the feast of lights. Okay? We good so far? Hanukkah. Now, are any of you guys excited that you see one of these? When I say, are you excited? Because did you notice... There's something about a menorah that I think all of us as Christians have said, well, I'm not Jew, so I just don't know what this menorah thing is all about. And yet, have you read Revelations about the lampstands? (laughs) They are very biblical, and it never says minus Christians in Revelations. The menorah, the lampstand before the throne, just for Jews. Isaiah, we all read Isaiah, right? There's seven spirits, there's seven lampstands, and we're like, no, that's probably just for Jews. So come on, but this is a cultural thing. We see one of these, oh, that's Jewish. And you dismiss that all this is is a lampstand in the temple that your forefather Moses knew about. Now that's a Jew thing. 
This is a temple thing from your forefather Moses <laughs> that Revelations talks about. It's a powerful thing, and yet we've been like, right? Come on, how many of us growing up in school were like those Jew people over there? We're about the Christmas tree. I don't know who they are, but we believe in the Messiah. <laughs> right? Seriously. Yes. Growing, yes, growing up in school, I would be like, they don't know Jesus. I get gifts. I was about to say AirPods. There were no AirPods when I was growing up, but like, I'm going to get the latest walkie-talkie. <laughs> Elmo. Do you guys remember Tickle Me Elmo? Oh, I cried over that gift. I had to have Tickle Me Elmo. He, he. Do you guys remember him? Anyways, I had to have a Tickle Me Elmo. That positioned my Tickle Me Elmo. Think about how disgusting this is. My Tickle Me Elmo positioned me to look at all the people who celebrated Jew, Jew, Hanukkah. Who? I know Jesus. I got a Tickle Me Elmo. What? Does this... Yeah, those, those menorah people don't even know when he was born. <laughs> I know when he was born. I got a Tickle Me Elmo. December 25th, he was in a manger on December 25th. But, I mean, I know I'm making light of this, but... And yet, this is in the temple. And we've dismissed... Things of Yahweh for our culture. Okay, so this is why this is so powerful. Uh, let, me, let me just do a couple things, and then I'm going to release him to tell us the story of how we came to Hanukkah, because I want you to understand why it's not in the Torah, because it did not come around till about 160 BC. So the Torah, obviously, was way before that. So it's interesting. Now you can start to understand the reality of this. You have the Torah. Something happens 160 BC, which means before Yeshua. And then Yeshua is in the scriptures talking about the Feast of Lights. How powerful is that to know our history? So it's not in the Torah. It's not required. But something happened before he came that he chose to honor. I think that this is a powerful holiday. Okay? Okay. So that's why, I mean, I'm not saying it's supposed to be in the Torah. I'm just saying it's not going to be talked about in the Torah, but it is in the New Testament, and it's, very, it's a very powerful holiday, okay? So um, I want to read where it is in the New Testament. So let's go to John 10. John 10, and I am in 22. The title of this just gets me every time. When you get there, I'll read it. Mm. The title to this chapter says, Some despise the light and harden. And yet we say, I've been reading my scripture every day. Okay. So, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of lay the groundwork and then he's going to tell the story because I want to make this real during Yeshua's time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about what Yeshua was do doing during this time. He's going to tell the story 160 BC. Okay. Then I'm going to come in and then I'm going to talk about what we're going to do today. Excited? Or what we can do today. All right. So 
Let's read uh, John, John 10, 22 through 24. Then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem. Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade. Then the Judean leader, leaders surrounded him saying, how long will you hold us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us outright. The point of that scripture is just the fact that it obviously was important enough for us to know that he was in Jerusalem during Hanukkah. That's pretty important. Okay, so that's grabbing my attention for me to understand my heritage. Here's why. Many of us, when we read the scripture, we think, oh, Israel. They're all really close together. And so Galilee and Jerusalem, they just kind of all like hang out. And so he was always in the temple. That's not true. His ministry was in Galilee. In fact, can you um, look up the miles between Galilee and Jerusalem? I just want to know exactly. The reason why I say this is because there are three holy high days, which means that there are three feasts. Remember when I taught on this about the priests and how we came to know that his birthday was actually tabernacles? Remember when I taught on this? Do you guys all remember that? And if you didn't, there's podcasts and it's on live. I did a whole teaching on actually being able to say when Yeshua was born, which was during tabernacles, which you can see how that is prevalent. Prevalent. He is going to come and we are going to live and rule and reign. And that's also when he was born. Okay. Um, okay. There are three high holy days, which means that there are, th there are seven feasts that we honor, but there are three main ones. If you guys can, if you guys can probably guess what they are. Passover, Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, Tabernacles, okay? That means that there were three times that they had to trek from Galilee to Jerusalem because they had to be in Jerusalem during those feasts, okay? 79 miles. 79 miles. This is not something that Yeshua was like, you know what, I think it'd be a good idea, it's Hanukkah. I think I should go to the temple. They had to be in Jerusalem during Passover, Feast of Weeks, and Tabernacles. If you guys remember, Tabernacles is around October time. This is in the middle of winter during Kislev. That means it was another whole journey that he took to be in that temple. Is this lighting a fire when you eat the word that you don't just pass over? Then came Hanukkah or the Feast of Lights and it, was, and it was winter in Jerusalem and Yeshua was walking in the temple. What is he talking about? Stop. Why Jerusalem? Why was he walking there? Why is it there? Stop and go, mm. and just let it settle. One word, that's just English. You could stop on the one word and get 72 layers if you tapped into the Hebrew. I'm just asking you to stop in English for a second. Okay, so 79 miles that they, he decided to move from Galilee to Jerusalem. This is not a joy walk either. There were robbers along the whole way. Why? Because every time priests, which was the head of the home, would walk 79 miles, what was it for? To honor the feast that had to do with sacrifice. So they were carrying the best lamb. They were carrying the best of the best. So they had the Greeks who would be all along there trying to 
impose and take advantage of the Israelis and make fun of and mock their traditions and, and, and rob them and then upmarket and sell their lambs for a higher price. That's why Yeshua flipped the table. Okay? So this is not like, hey, let's just, you know, get in the car and go. This is a walk. And it is a torturous walk because it meant that they were probably going to get beat. They were probably going to get stolen from. They, just because he's Yeshua doesn't mean he didn't, right? So there is, a, there is a purpose that he would make a decision to trek along that journey from Galilee to Jerusalem during this time. That's why I believe that this is important for us to understand because it's mentioned. Amen? Okay. All right. Um, yes. And then when he tells you the story of why they were even, why they even had that, you'll understand why he trekked all that way to honor it, which is this story should launch us into wanting to make that journey to trek along against the robbers because we're going to understand what dedication really means as a family. Okay? Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I fully believe that when we can understand our identity or where we came from, something comes, something awakens in you, right? Like we just had Veterans Day and the kids are on Zoom and they're with their teachers and they're talking about the history of Veterans Day and the kids are coming out and asking me questions. Do we have any veterans in our family? And I go down this long list of who's who and what, what conflicts they fought in, what wars they fought in, and their eyes just light up and all of a sudden Veterans Day means something now. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's good for us to understand our history and where, what is the story behind this celebration? So in John chapter 10, starting in verse 22, like she said, you have Yeshua in Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of lights. Okay, 160 to 170 years before his time, in the land of Judea, you had the Jews who were getting attacked by the Greeks and the Syrians. And it wasn't, I mean, when you read about this, you read about massacres. The Greeks and the Syrians came in to literally wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. I mean, that was their intent. And when you read about this and they came in, part of what they did was, and their motivation to do it was they were going to come in, wipe the Jews off the face of the earth, or they were going to convert them and make them worship Greek gods. That was their goal. So part of what they did, in addition to massacring the Jews, those that didn't want to convert, they basically said, you have to worship our gods. Now, what's crazy about this is there's an assimilation aspect because what the Greeks and the Syrians wanted to do was cause the Jews to assimilate. And what's crazy is the people that revolted even had to fight with other Jews who were saying, just assimilate. Yes. Now, just to okay. give some context of where this is scripturally, when I say 160 BC, this is between Malachi and the gospel. So there's about 500 years that's just not written about. This is the timeline of what he's talking about. So this story isn't in the scripture, but it happened in history. And there is writings that you can take as historical background that actually talk about this story that are books 
one, two, three, four Maccabees. We've talked about this before, but I just want to give you guys a timeline. 160 BC is not written about in the scriptures, in this scriptures, in these scriptures. So what he's talking about is it's right before the messianic age, what we've called as the church, the silent years. They were not silent. Okay. Go ahead. Now it's interesting in, in John 10, when Yeshua says, the ones that hear my voice and follow me are my sheep and they shall not perish. It's like she was talking about. Think about that. Why Yeshua was in Jerusalem to celebrate mm-hmm. what I'm talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And he said, those that hear my voice and follow me shall not perish. Mm-hmm. Okay, now go back to 160 to 170 years before Yeshua. The Greeks and the Syrians are invading, they're killing, they're trying to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth unless you'll worship our gods. That's what they're saying. They went into the second temple, they desecrated it, they, they erected a, an altar to Zeus inside the temple. Now this is okay. Nehemiah's, you guys are understanding? Solomon was the first, first temple, then now you've got the Nehemiah's, right? So. We've all talked about, we're the Nehemiahs and we're going to rebuild. You go through all that rebuilding, you build it, and then this happens. This is the Greeks and the Assyrians basically demolished the the temple. So during that time, even though, I mean, just try try to wrap your head around your country getting invaded and overwhelmed by an enemy that tells you what to worship. You can't worship what you believe that you should. And if you don't, if you don't basically uh, submit to what they want to do, they're going to kill you. Okay. I mean, let's try to wrap our heads around that. And then you have a lot of people in the house, right? In the, the house of the Jews who said, no, let's just assimilate. And not only did some of them assimilate, but they tried to convince the other ones to assimilate. But you had one family that we know about, um, the Maccabees. There was a priest with five sons, the eldest, his name was Judah the Maccabee. And he basically said, we're going to fight this and we're not going to let this happen. And we're basically going to fight to keep the light lit in the temple as we should. And Remember, so, this is he ministered on this about the forefathers and the light when we were worshiping and then the light went around. This is that same story. When I was talking about how the, they would kill the whole family, this is that during that same time where the mother would go last because they would kill the kids and, and all of that. This story is about a family that said no more and decided to revolt against this and basically decided to fight against it and regained the temple back. So this family was part of the minority. And I mean, that's a pattern, right? They're, they're part of the minority that said, we're going we're gonna to maintain the standard. We're going to, we hear his voice. We're going to follow his voice. And they were the ones that did not perish. Okay. That's why this is so important. Now they were able to conquer the Greeks and the Syrians and they were, to, oh, they were able to overcome that and they regained the temple, like Apostle Tanya said. And, they were, and, and part of the miracle of what's celebrated is they had, they had to have pure oil to keep the light in the temple. And they only had enough pure oil to keep it lit for one day. 
There was so much defilement because they had they had replaced menorah. I mean, they had replaced everything that was of him and put their gods in it and basically just defiled the whole thing. So when they took over and they got the temple back, they had to basically consecrate it again and they had to re, re you know, uh, rededicate it for Yahweh, but they only had enough fresh consecrated oil for one day. So part of their mission was not just fighting back and revolting against these people that were trying to uh, that had killed, massacred, assimilated, trying to tell them who to worship. That wasn't their only mission. Part of what they had to do to maintain the temple and regain the temple was they had to search and find more pure oil to keep the lights lit. And the miracle that happened was this oil lasted for eight days while they were able to go and get more when they thought they only had enough for one day. And so this is where the festival of lights, the, the rededication of the temple comes from. And were you going to get into the delayed being Sukkot or? Oh yeah. So, um, so do you guys remember when I was up here teaching and Gabi came up and Gabi was like, Oh yeah. And then there's seven. And then she was like, but there's eight. If you look at a Hanukkah, there's nine things. But the temple menorah is seven. So here's a couple of things. Basically, easiest way to teach this is that this is specific to this holiday. Okay? This doesn't replace the menorah in the temple. It's just specific to show the miracle. It's all about honoring that a miracle happened. So what they say is, is that this, uh, so, okay, so right, the tabernacles is in October, okay? This happens in the winter. So Solomon, when that, when that uh, temple was dedicated, he chose the Feast of Tabernacles to dedicate it. So they believe that when this happened, they wanted to honor the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a delayed honoring of Sukkot because they weren't allowed to honor it when they were hiding and fighting. So because they weren't able to honor that feast and they wanted to, the, one of the uh, theories or whatever is that they, it was a dedicated Sukkot, which is eight days. So they were celebrating eight days. It was a delayed Sukkot. It was like a way to pull in Sukkot since they weren't allowed to honor it. But when they got the temple back, they were actually able to honor what they wanted to. So they did basically Sukkot in the temple for eight days, which is why you have nine, because this is a Shemash is what they call it, and it's what lights all the other ones. And it's the concept of honoring a miracle for eight days, which we all know eight is het. It means new beginnings. There's so much that's with that. So eight is just symbolic, but that's why you'll see nine versus seven menorah. Okay? The middle one is the ninth one that lit all the other ones. And all this, yep, The and the all this holiday is, is honoring that the Maccabees revolted and got the temple back and decided to cleanse out the temple, rededicate it for Yahweh, and keep the fire going. So there's an aspect with this holiday that has to do with fresh oil. And when I talked about the lampstands, are you ready? There's something that's going to come with this for us understanding a consecrated, holy, fresh, authentic oil 
that would keep your uh, light lit until you have a new beginning because you are going to rededicate yourself every year because you're honoring that a miracle has happened. Is this not a powerful holiday than he was born in a manger? Yes, he was. But he decided to honor and come to Jerusalem because he thought that it was powerful to be a part of a celebration where during the celebration, he would say it is important for us to dedicate our temples. And we know now it's not about one temple, but I am his temple. So there is something that's going to happen during this holiday where I begin to say, give me that fresh oil. Give me that pure, authentic oil that has been consecrated that would continually light a fire and operate under a miracle that would rededicate my temple to Yahweh. Whole different holiday than just Tickle Me Elmo. Amen? And think about it in terms of assimilation. Yeshua was celebrating his people listening to his voice, following him, and not assimilating. Now, right, when we think about this, it's not about uh, uh, an army coming to kill everything and, and literally tell you to worship their gods, but the enemy wants to erect an altar in you mm-hmm. that says worship something other than Yahweh. Right? So when we talk about assimilation, and this is why these feasts are so important, because think about it. it where, the, where the Western church culture has gotten to, it wasn't because somebody came in by force and made you do it. It's just subtly changed over time that now we're, we, we've assimilated to something other than Yahweh. Right? We're, we're, it's all about a holiday that says, I will not assimilate. And yet we're like, that's for the Jews. Why? We're assimilating. This is supposed to be something that says, in the face of death, I will still stand and not conform. In the face of death, I will not conform. I will not assimilate. It is light versus darkness. There is a difference, and light will pierce it until there is a new beginning. And being able to say, in the face of death, I will not perish. I hear his voice, I follow him, and even in the face of death, I will not perish because I hear his voice and I follow him. And here's what's so powerful. Yeshua chose to honor this, but we'll still assimilate to the world's culture. Never once do we see Yeshua say, give me my birthday gift. We never once see that, but he honored this, and we say that's not for us, but this is so, so we have to make a decision. Do I want what Yeshua desired or what does the world desire? And this holiday just happens to be all about that. It's just powerful to me for, for that. And I wanted to just bring up one thing, uh, and, then, and then you can ask your question. Uh, when I talk about the trek from Galilee to Jerusalem, how many years did he do that? Okay. So what was happening in his training ground? He was carrying sacrifices all those years because he was practicing to become the living sacrifice. 
and we're missing it and not learning or practicing what it means to carry a sacrifice that could cause me being robbed or death or whatever, and I'm not building my spiritual muscles that say, I will stand in a place and not conform so that I can be able to be a living sacrifice so I can become immortal. <laughs> I'm not talking about a living sacrifice because you guys understand what I'm, what I'm saying, right? Yeshua walked that because he was practicing becoming his, the, the living sacrifice. And so just to think about that journey that it took to go from Galilee to uh, Jerusalem to honor this, he wanted to honor that something that just had happened 200 years prior to his, his being on earth. Very small scripture, pretty powerful. So, is it making sense? Hanukkah? And why it's not for them, why I'm over here doing Christmas, right? I mean, that's the way we're even, we grew up in, in school. People who celebrate Christians are, are Christmas, and then people who are Jews do Hanukkah. What has happened? <laughs> right? What's your question? We're going to get into that. All right, so, um, yes, anyways, this is, this is a whole thing about bravery, not conforming, standing in the face of death. It's uh, a rededication. It's fire. It's oil. All of that is about it. Light versus darkness. Uh, is this making sense? Eight, new beginnings. It, it means a miracle has happened for our people. A miracle has happened, and I get to step in and honor that miracle. Just like he said for Veterans Day, there were miracles that happened, and I get to step in and honoring that miracle. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is what this could look like for our family. And this is where I believe the sweetness is just going to come, and there's going to be a grace for this. Uh, if you want to start to get the pictures ready, if we have any more donuts, does anybody need more donuts? Why does yours look like it has frosting on it? I want one of the frosting ones. Oh, the, oh, but are they natural? Okay. Oh, okay. I'll just get, oh, okay. All right. Amen. All right. So uh, don't go through the pictures yet, but we can just have them ready. So this is what I get excited about because how many of us just love holidays is the best way to say it. There is something about how I love when it's winter and it's dark really early and it's dark at night, but I get my whole house looking like a model home with a tree. And I'm serious. And the lights get to be on all. There's something that comes with that. He stripped us because he said, are you willing to not assimilate? He needed a people to not have their, um, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to go there. He needed a people who were willing to strip so that he could fill it with something that was authentic. Okay? Does that make sense? He didn't want to come in. I believe he did not want to come in right away and be like, I'm taking this from you. But here, 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 here's a cookie. And I don't mean that against what I'm talking about because he is sweet. But he needed a people to understand the dedication of the living sacrifice. The years that it takes to walk to a place to be able to understand the cost. So that when you get to Jerusalem, shalom, when you get to peace, 
when you're in Galilee and you're in the midst of ministry and you're beginning to trek and you've got the robbers and you've got death and you've got all this, that you would get to a place of Jerusalem, which means peace, so that you can understand what's actually being honored, that a miracle has happened, I am here. Amen? So he didn't cut us down, take it away, and just automatically give us stuff. He had us cut it down and take it away so we would understand what's to come. Amen? Okay. So I want to get you excited about this holiday. There are three things about this holiday. Now, when I'm talking about these things, I'm talking about you guys understand the story. Now, through the years, because of that story, there has been traditions that have been built to honor that miracle, and it can look different for every family. So I'm not saying that this is necessarily what Yeshua was doing, but there are traditions of what people do during Hanukkah to be able to honor this story. Okay, so however you choose to honor the Maccabees and honor the story that a miracle happened, that we got the temple back and that we did not assimilate There are some powerful things with that, okay? So, light, eating, and games. Does that sound like something that would be fun? For eight days, not one. Not just Christmas and Christmas Eve, but we get eight days, December 10th through the 18th, where we get to focus on lights, eating, and games. Okay? So this is what's exciting. So just really quickly, so lighting candles. Basically, you have one of these, and you light a candle every single night. So this one stays lit. Technically, you would do it at sundown for about 30 minutes. You light the first one on the first night. Second night, you light both of them. Third night, you do three all the way through the eight days. Okay, you do this at sundown. So family dinners are going to be very important starting December 10th. In fact, I'm saying right now, the Brewer family is off. Our calendar is done. There is no worship practice, sorry. There's no youth. Not necessarily that there's no, I'm just saying for our family, because the world doesn't give us that time off, I have to figure out how to make that time off. So for us, thank you, the Lord, for uh, private schools that said that there's no school during that time for one of my children, but four o'clock is our cutoff for the brewers from four o'clock until nighttime. It is all family. We will be cooking, we will be doing games, and we will be honoring uh, this, okay? So that's just one practical thing of what that could look like, because you might say, well, I'm not off from work, or I'm not, that's how we're going to start. We don't have time off work, we don't have time off school, but starting at four o'clock every single evening, we are going to honor that light will pierce the darkness in our family, okay? So this gets lit. This is a very public holiday. It gets lit. This is a very public holiday, This is a powerful thing. Not only am I not going to conform, I'm not going to assimilate, and I'm not going to honor the world. I'm going to honor what Yeshua said, and I'm going to be bold about it, and I'm going to make it public, and the light is going to be in the window. So everybody's going to know about that. Get it, Rena? It is a very public holiday where we can be uh, flamboyant in our light, whatever that may look like for your home, okay? So that can go in a window seal. That's why you'll see them in windows because it is very much, we want it to be known that a miracle has happened for our people. Okay? This is why our people are gonna wake up because they're gonna say, who are you? Who are, what do you have that you honor our people and who is this Messiah you keep talking about? Why would the Messiah point you into my people? All of a sudden, we begin to rehearse, and one new man begins to come forward. There's a house that's not divided, and he comes back. Okay? 
You guys starting to catch this? Eating. It is all about fried food. We are going to use that fresh oil. Okay? It is about potato latkes, which means there is fried potato latkes, there is noodle casserole, there is potato casserole, and there are jelly donuts everywhere. <laughs> fried jelly donuts everywhere. This is going to be so much fun. You are going to begin to learn the traditions of Hanukkah and learn new recipes and go grocery shopping as a family and cook together. And you're going to eat together and you're going to dine together. I'm talking everything bagels, crusted salmon. For eight days, not just one day, everything bagel, crusted salmon. Who wants to come over? I can't wait. <laughs> and when I say Brewer family, that doesn't just, I don't, I mean, we should sakut. This is delayed tabernacles. Let's go to everyone's house. Let's see whatever. We should do that. What do you call that where you do a um, house fires? Uh, progressive, but by night, where we go to everyone's different houses and try their meals. And anyway, this could be so much fun. Eating, games, you want to know why? I want to talk to you guys about this because it's not just like, hey, uh, be well, uh, I, don't, I don't have time to get into that, but here's why the games. Because there were children during this time, Assyrian and Greeks, right, killing, and there were children. It wasn't just about Yeshua and adults. There were children during this time, and they were dying, and they would die if you learn the Torah. Do you know that we have children now in this day that don't care about the word, have never been taught the word, don't wanna read the word, and don't like the word? There were children that learned the sweetness at the age of two because of the honey, and they wanted the word, they wanted the Torah, they sang the Torah, it was experiential. They knew the Torah by the age of eight, they knew the entire Torah by song. I have a hard time getting somebody to do their one scripture test on Thursday. Not really, he does awesome, but it's one scripture. They knew the whole Torah. So this is what would happen. The Assyrian and the Greeks, they would walk by a household or if they would have to hide out in caves and they would be singing the Torah because they wanted it so much. And what would happen is, is that they, it was outlawed. This isn't just about the temple. This is everything about Yahweh was outlawed. And there were families that said, not in my home. So they would begin to sing. And then uh, an Assyrian Greek would, uh, would walk by. And so what they would do is they would pull, pull, pull out a drindle, a dreidel. 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 They would pull out a dreidel and act like they were playing a game. To fake them out. How powerful is that? So when we're playing games... Because of that miracle, we have the freedom to be able to honor the Torah and play as a family in freedom. Okay? So there were games. And the, what they do is they would have a, a dreidel. You'll see those a lot, a dreidel. And they would uh, have Hebrew letters on it. The Hebrew letters are an acronym. It's Nun, Gimel, Hey, Hey, Gimel. I have it written down. Nun, Gimel, Hey, and Shin. It's an acronym for a miracle has happened here. So when you have a dreidel, it is for you to be able to play with, for you to remember a miracle has happened. There are many games, but there's, that's one of them that they would do. Excuse me. So let's look at some pictures here. Oh, there's one thing. Uh, you'll see money coins. You'll see a lot of money coins during this time. Here's why. 
Here's the tradition behind that. They so did not want to assimilate that when they took back the temple, it was actually a sign of rebellion and said, I don't even want your money. We're going to create our own currency. So now you'll see coined money in the form of chocolate to honor that they even had their own currency because they were in such a state of rebellion uh, against the world system. So, so while Hanukkah does have gift exchange, that has come more with the modern times, partly because everybody associates Christmas and they didn't want their kids to feel left out so they would do gift exchange. But technically, the parents would give money, which is called gelt, would give money and in turn, the students would give to the rabbis and the rabbis would give uh, into the community. So it's all about giving during this time. It is not about receiving. You are not to write out a list of needs and wants from Santa. This is about how can I receive so that I can turn and give because I am honoring a different culture. So in our family, one of the things that we had talked about was having a budget where for eight days they do exchange because I want to see what comes out of their heart prophetically for others versus, well, here's what I want. So there are gifts involved, but technically it has a lot more to do with the guilt and it has a lot more to do with those coins than it does actual AirPods. However, gift exchange is definitely a part of it because they're honoring the miracle. Make sense? Okay. So let's take a look uh, at some pictures. And I want us to get excited because I just happened to find some of these pictures and I just like couldn't stop because I, I was just starting to uh, just get super excited. I, I know that we have not taught this, but the Star of David is extremely important. In the Star of David is every single Hebrew letter. Every single Hebrew letter is in the Star of David. There is a lot with the color blue and silver because it is the colors of Israel. The Star of David is very important. A lot of times when they would uh, sing blessings, they would actually, if you ever see uh, um, Jews or rabbis that begin to bless their family, they'll go like this. And because this is Shin, you guys know, well, I don't know if you guys, there's, a, there's some powerful stuff behind the letter Shin, but they're actually doing the letter Shin, but it does the Star of David as they begin to do the blessings in Deuteronomy over their family. So there's a lot with all of this that is completely symbolic. So there's the uh, dreidels, dreidels, dreidels. Uh, there's the Shin, Hey, Gimel, Nun. There is a star up there. All right, go to the next one. So, I mean, we can still make cookies. All right, this is how to play the game. And you can find this online. You can do cutouts of memory game that just have the different uh, symbols of the menorah. I mean, these are things of the temple. We're used to doing Santa and sleighs and ornaments. And now we can do clip art from the Hebrew letters that's alive, it's language. Uh, so you've got Nun, Gimel, Hey, Shin. And so you've got Nes, Gadol, Haya, and Sham are the antonyms for a great miracle has happened here. That's what those letters are representing in the, in the uh, dreidel. And then this, of course, is how you play the game. And a lot of it has to do with the coins that you get because it's pretty much you put them all in the pot and then you spin the little dreidel. And then depending on what letter pops up, you either take half, give half, and whoever. You, so that, that, yeah. All right. Next one. It's pretty much gambling. Look at this picture. I don't know what, I don't know what's happening to me, but I just feel like, I don't know what's happening to me, but I just, I, I just think this is beautiful. 
Isn't this beautiful? The colors and the lights and the jelly donuts and the games. I mean, this is just all about family. Amen. Okay, go on. There's, the, uh, there's an, another example, and there's uh, coins, chocolate coins, called gelt. That's what that's called. This I thought was so cute when we're just talking about even if you're wanting to transform your home or, or, or uh, uh, want to decorate in your home or what do the lights look like. We've already talked about as a family of what lights we want to do and put it in the home to just light up our home for that time. And these are actually cut out uh, dreidels that you can make, and then they would hang those up. But how cool is it that you can decorate and it means something? When you look at that, it's not just an ornament because it's pretty, but you're looking at that, you're saying, there was a child. There was a child who was a forefather that went before me, that, just, that wanted, that had to play a game to fake out the ones so that they wouldn't die because they loved this word so much. Could I be like the little ones then that honored this so much that they would say, we need to fake out the ones who are killing us because I will do what was outlawed because my God, my Adonai said that my appointed times, they read that scripture. I read Leviticus to you. They were reading Leviticus during that time. My Adonai. My Moedim, my Moedim, that you will call this a holy convocation. That was one of the scriptures that they were reading when they decided to play a game so that they wouldn't die. There's a different meaning now. Go on. There's the game again. Yes, that is what that picture is. There's the letters I thought were so powerful, where one of our pillars is gonna be the Hebrew language. This game has the Hebrew language on it. You, what you don't know is Gimel. Very interesting if you were to go back a couple pictures. It just so happens that the Gimel tells you you get to take all the coins. Do you guys know that Gimel is the camel and Gimel activates all of the provision from heaven? There's a whole lot more to this game than I'm sure. It's not just take half, give half. There's some stuff going on. Nun is an heir, and it says that you don't get any. <laughs> but think about that living sacrifice as an heir. I will give it all. Think about Shin and what it means and taking half and what he did for you. And Yeshua is the epitome of Shin or that pressure. Hey, is, is breath. I mean, you're activating a living language. Amen? Potato luckies. I saw one picture where they were putting some vegetables in there and making them green and red and all purple and all these different colors. And mm, I can't wait. All right, next one. Look at that salmon. <laughs> next one. I just think that this is so powerful. This actually was gifted to me uh, from, from, uh, from Israel. Uh, but there are some powerful menorahs. Or what they actually call the nine one is called, it's Hanukkah. 
Hanukkah is what this is called. It's for this actual holiday, uh, but it does symbolize what's in the temple and the menorah. But look, it doesn't have to be what we know. I mean, you can order. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. What does your home look like during this time? What are you going to begin to collect? Are we going to continue to collect the Santas and the fake snow? Or are we going to begin to invest in what our ancestors had and make it our own? All right, next one. This is a dessert. There's nuts, dates, dark chocolate. I mean, this is just fun. Next one. I just think that this picture, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I, it just has to be released by the Spirit. Because I just, this just makes, this just reminds, this is family. There's oil. There's wine. There's games. There's gifts. There's donuts. There's dessert. There's light. There's the Star of David. I'm connecting with who I've always been. There's something about this picture that connects me to who we've always been. Amen? Look at that one. It's tree of life. Next one. I just think that this picture is such a beautiful, could we bring back the formal dining? For a week where everything is out on the table. It's not potluck style, go grab your food, come sit down, but everything is presented for eight days. Where as a family, it's I mean, you've got your 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 menorah, you've got your lights, you've got your oil, your wine, your your everything. It's exactly what Kendra said. Could you take a moment and just wow? Slow down in life and just begin to understand that a miracle has happened here. A miracle happened here. Let my light be so rededicated that my oil will keep me aflame for the whole rest of the next year because a new beginning is beginning to happen in me and my family. Keep going. Look at... I, I don't know. I just... Next one. I just... I can't wait. <laughs> candle with trees isn't that beautiful and just think what she's talking about you're engaging the scriptures what are we engaging when you have a foundation of knowing what's to come right that's brisket yeah that's chickpea brisket next one I don't know how to say this word, but jelly donut is uh, sufganiot, sufganoyot. I, I don't know how to say it. Suf, sufganoyot. Anyways, there's lots of fried donuts all the time. We have got to figure out how to make these natural and amazing. <laughs> this is my favorite. Uh, lots of noodle casseroles and potato casseroles. It's fun when you start looking up uh, traditional, uh, and I'm doing this not because this is what it needs to look like, but just to get a taste of what's the history, what was happening during that time, why, and what can we do as a family for us to honor what it was. It is not about what we do. It is not about, um, it's just not about all that, but it's about, it's just like Sukkot. I don't know what Sukkot's going to look like next year. I really don't. I but I'm excited to begin to build the tradition of Yahweh and not the traditions of man and begin to engage because this is not by the law, but by the spirit, right? So when you operate by the spirit, you begin to engage some things that bring us into another dimension. 
Amen. This may be, maybe other people were thinking of this, but just as she was talking, when you think about taking this middle candle, which if you look at her picture, the center was the Holy Spirit, and you take this mm-hmm. center one, right, and you start lighting these, it is like you're keep. it's like you're keeping the feast, right? And if you mm-hmm. don't keep the feast, then you're not, you're not keeping this lit. Like, just... Well, let me, can I say something prophetic? I mean, it... <laughs> okay, so you'll read about it in Revelations, but after this is fulfilled, a new day does come. Okay, so if we're operating that he is the light and he is the one, that lights it all, what you, I'm not saying that this is what Hanukkah says, and I'm not saying that this is what I've learned, this is coming out of my spirit, that if he is the light, and I begin to honor the feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, feast of weeks, tabern- uh, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, so that a new beginning, a new day, can be, will be restored into the earth and it's all about the light and it's about honoring this. So I'm not saying that that's what Hanukkah is about. I'm not saying that that's what I've learned, but what I am seeing is that it is symbolic and an important time for us to recognize what you could be engaging in when you understand the seven feasts and that that last day is the new beginning to say this is what is coming because after all of this is fulfilled, it is a new day. And that is what eight is all about. So there is something that will come as a family as you begin to light up each one. And I would encourage us during this, December 10th, that as you do that, that each night would begin to reveal to you the feast and the new and the building and what is coming, that you that we would be light, uh, uh, just that fresh oil would burn us ablaze so that we may be a people that would be in the shadow so that we would understand that what is concealed will be revealed so that we can pull forth a new day. Amen. And I don't know if I said this earlier, but the reason why we're releasing this tonight is because the next teaching night won't be until we're on Hanukkah. And I didn't want to teach on that while we're in it when we could be prepared for it. And our hope is to do that. So for Pasach, we will teach before so that we are able to uh, honor those feasts in a new way. Okay? So we've got some time. You've got some time to pray. You've got some time to think. You've got something. You got some time to order. You got some time to talk as a family. We've got some time to be able to uh, prepare for the season that's coming, December tenth. Okay. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.